you just don't know all that you've done. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. I mean, look, little fellow, why you go off and haunt somebody else. No, you? now you don't understand. I've got my job. Oh, shut up, will you? Oh, this isn't going to be so easy. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, right? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, that's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week and especially this whole year we d- we have been discussing what scares us in order to find what saves us this is the final 2021 episode of the fear of god podcast speaking to you right now is one of your hosts nathan rouse and typically with me is fellow co-host reed lackey but guys he was here a minute ago but he was he was kind of drippy and he said he had to go dry off real quick that he fell in a pool or something. I don't I don't know. I mean, he's in SoCal. Their, their climate's a little different than it is here. Um, in the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into the end of what saves us. This second half of two big old series uh, featuring films and media that nurture your wonder, that invigorate your awe, that enrich your humanity. Not to overstate things, but that have been saving you now. Last week, we were foggers together strong as we settled the war for the planet of the apes. This week, we are heading to Bedford Falls singing a little Buffalo Gals. But I'm getting ahead of myself because here at The Fear of God, we explore. We do not explain. Except for right now, 
when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. Oh, hi, Nathan. How are you? Oh, wow. Look out, Jimmy. How's it going? (laughs) Merry Christmas, you old fear of God community. (laughs) My Jimmy Stewart is terrible. It's really bordering on Cactus Cooler guy there. (laughs) (laughs) Cactus Cooler. (laughs) I'm going to Bedford Falls in the bacon and shavings and loan. You got any savings and loan and Cactus Cooler? Oh, man. Yes, sir. Some quick business time. Quick business time. You know what? We've had it. I, it's. I'm ready to get out of here. Like, okay. <laughs> I hope you're not going to talk long. <laughs> I'm oh, wow. tired. It's been a long ass year. Wow. And, wow. Um, wow, 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 wow. It wow. has been a long year, but I'm thankful to be here with you. Quick business time. I referenced it last week. You're about one to reference to. Uh, if you're interested, read After Evangelicalism. Really good book. Really interesting book. We're going to have David Gushy on the mm-hmm. fog mm-hmm. next fogging week. It's very exciting. Very much looking forward to that. And. Before you get to yours, Riri, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw another business time at, oh, another one. Oh, oh, at the same time. I know. Speaking of homework, read. Oh, no. Read. Oh, no. Are you ready? I'm not. This is this is homework, listeners. Okay. Read, are you ready to uh, you ready to go to mass? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Yes. Foggers. I am ready. I'm ready. Every I'm year, ready. when we come back in February formally... We usually do a retrospective of the year in horror from the year prior. Oh, man. This year. Oh, man. Uh, in in tandem with that journey, we are also going to be covering, as part of a TV guide posts, Mike Flanagan's Netflix series, Midnight Mass. Oh, my so gosh. Get, oh, my gosh. Get your, uh, uh, <laughs> get your communion wafer ready. I, I'm not sure if you want to sip from that cup. Mm, no, but don't, don't. We'll Abstain the drink. We Abstain will the drink. talk about that when we talk about Midnight Mass starting in February. Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I can't wait. It's it's going to be super anyway, exciting. So yeah, that, yes. that's the homework I've got to for yes. the listeners. Yeah, so definitely check out uh, David Gushy's new material uh, or old material for that matter. Catch up with Midnight Mass and read the novel by Natasha Dion because hopefully that recording will still take place as scheduled and planned. Uh, Her novel is called The Perishing. Acquaint yourself with it. That is business time. Nathan, I'm going to throw you one yes. more curveball. I know we okay. are trying very, very, you're, you're like anxious sports. to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we're I'm very, good. I'm good. Listen, this is our final What Saves Us of the Year. We've never done five years of podcasting about horror and faith. We spent, you know, roughly five months talking about non-horror-related material. I wanted to take, you know, two, three minutes to just reflect on the series. It's a long time. It's okay. Two, yeah. two three minutes. Okay, yes. Uh, but, uh, no, it's just, look, looking back over the last little bit, this whole series has been really, really special. But just looking back on it, I mean, like, we get to have a conversation with our old professor, Keith. We get to have mm-hmm. a conversation, you know, uh, about and Rocky. Adrian. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love that. We finally got to talk about Dead Poet Society, which is a, a favorite film of oh, mine. Lackey, my lackey. Oh, man. I had such a great... Listen, we haven't referenced it since we recorded it. Uh, so I'm giving you a few moments to kind of think about some highlights for you. I'm going to mention two more. <laughs> uh, okay. That, uh, like, we haven't talked about it very much since then, but I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is uh was a really really fun, fun 
wonderful conversation. Uh, reflects a lot of my thoughts on just why we do this and 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 why we engage with stories in a broader perspective. So love that about it. And uh, again, strongly encourage listeners to go and check that out. Last thing I'll mention as a a highlight from this series was actually getting to dis- oh, well, yeah, good lord. No, I'm going to save you some. Um, another thing I'll mention as a highlight of the series is finally getting to have Peter Laws on the podcast, who who I've been in touch with for like you know four or five years, but finally has crossed over into Fear of God community, which was great for to talk about his show Creepy Cove. Uh, but this has been a great series. Uh, what what would you? It's cite? been a great series. I'm I'm looking. I'm gonna cite all of them. You didn't like Moana, but that's okay. We can still be friends. No, uh, I didn't like Moana. Loved it. After, no, no, no. You don't oh, know. It's, no, it's oh, pretty clear. Oh, oh, wow. um, I was just trying to say uh, Moulin Rouge. Go ahead. Moulin Rouge. Big feelings. I didn't like that. Great one. movie. Yeah. Uh, so. Luca. It's so funny. My wife has been like, "Why do you? You, you really seem to like Luca." I was like, "I do. <laughs> I do now." Yeah. Well, I yeah. Do. Luca's I amazing. It. I love Luca. Wonderful. Um, Ciao, about uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chicho, Guido, um, <laughs> Dead Poet Society. We had a good time with that. Rocky, great time. The Woodsman. That's that's a, just such a fun movie. Um, <laughs> My Life is a Zucchini. Beautiful oh, film. Oh, Love Wonderful. being able to watch that for the first time. We got to talk about Ted Lasso. Adam's Ted family. freaking Lasso. Yes. Ted freaking Lasso. Adam's Family with Asia. Good times. Bless the Child with Jackson. That was a great conversation. Bless Thank the you, Child Jackson, was for, wonderful. Like, that's been a very meaningful thing for me to ponder in the months since we had that conversation. Fully uh, agree. Peter Law, Salem's Lot as our follow-up quarterly king. The Princess Bride is inconceivable, you know? Inconceivable. So ways. Um, <laughs> but I still, this honestly, this last run, and I don't think it's just proximity bias, is just so powerful to me. I I love our mission conversation. I, I mm-hmm. say that sincerely, Likewise. not just because yeah. it's you that I'm in conversation with right now like that. I think a lot about that. And I think, mm-hmm. I think whatever shape the fear of God takes in the coming years, you know, I can envision thinking on that conversation for, for years to come. Yeah. Uh, Life is beautiful. Still haven't seen the movie. Love the conversation. <laughs> oh man. Like, it's wonderful. Teary, night. weepy, lovely. Thank you so much. Uh, Jess, Vera and Asia for that offering of your Absolutely. time and insights. Calvary. Mm. What? Uh, my, my God. Good um, Lord. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Think about that one all the time. Thought about, mm-hmm. I don't know if I did or not. Did I add that to my, my wish list for Christmas? Cause since then I've been like, okay, I, I should, I should add that one. To the a wonderful movie. A wonderful hidden movie. life. A hidden life keeps coming up in my spirit read. Yeah. It's beautiful. So beautiful. It's a powerful one, man. And then planet of the apes after Ted. Of the planet of yes. The apes. yes, that's right. Uh, what saves us? Those things have saved those things in receipt of from our listeners in conversation with you and those who have joined us to, to put a real fine point on it have saved me this year i'm incredibly grateful for what uh the journey that we are on and have been on and uh whatever might be next no absolutely as long would... as there's a whole buckets of blood next <laughs> <laughs> yes we will be going right back into the dark territories in the dark box in the corner uh, but i've loved also the way that we've gotten to connect to the community this year um more yeah. so than I think we have in any of the years pre previous to that. Uh, I feel like I've, I've gained cherished friends out of some of these conversations, which I don't know that I would have had otherwise. And that, that means a lot to me. And so, um, so yeah, listeners, if you are listening to this, uh, we care very deeply 
uh, about these conversations, and we care very much uh, that you spend time to have them with us, to listen to them, and to partake in things, whether it be on social media or emailing us or whatever. Uh, it means a lot to us. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited to wrap this home. So before we get into uh, th- this week's offering, which is is my selection, it's a bit daunting, mm-hmm. uh, I just want to know one thing, Mr. Nathan Rouse. And what is that? What you watching, you watching, what you reading, what you listening to. All right. So. Riri. Yeah. It feels watcha. like. Whatcha. Especially given when this episode is going to release, we're going to have fun with this one. It feels like it's kind of a cool time to have an MCU check in. Because, you know. Nice. Ooh, nice. MCU. <laughs> Can you believe. At the end of Hawkeye, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield showed up. I can't believe that. They're showing up in everything. I mean, mean, they're just... They'd be rumored for months. They're all over the place. What really surprised me is when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield showed up in the director's cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That That floored me. That was Yes, it really... Spider-Verse touches everything. It really was. You knew already that they were in War for the Planet of the Apes, right? Like, they are... Yeah, they're they're in the background. You see No, no, no. Andrew Garfield plays Nova. I mean, come on. That was... (laughs) Okay. It was really obvious. Right. He's nominated for an okay. Oscar for it. You just put, you pushed it too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but uh, we've got we're, when we're recording right now. There's one episode of Hawkeye left. I, I I I know listeners think I say this about every MCU entry. That's actually not true. If you've seen the Eternals, but um, <laughs> uh, sorry, um, <laughs> Hawkeye is a hell of a lot of fun. It really is. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a blast. I'm caught up to you, which which means that again, as we're recording, there's one left to go. Um, but there's, but actually, it's funny because there's a lot of MCU that is still uh, missing to me for a number of reasons. I still haven't seen Shang Chi. I still haven't seen oh. the Eternals, and okay. I have not seen Spider Man No Way Home, which neither of you, but you will tomorrow, and hopefully, I will very very soon. You just ruined the bit. I was going to aim for here in a second is that we were going to unpack. We we're going to spoil the hell out of No Way Home, and, <laughs> and you just yeah. Uh, no, no, no! I just oh, ripped oh, well. it. I ripped it right. So from much you. for that bit. Just... <laughs> okay, what you watch and read? Well, so, <laughs> so no, but I'm going tomorrow night, and I will spoil it in great detail for you. You via text. better not. And then I'll no. screenshot it and throw it out. Oh my gosh, internet. that would be so cruel. I'm that would kidding. be so cruel to do. Um, well, so MCU is a ton of fun, and it's amazing, and it's a blast, and that's that's really really wonderful in a lot of different ways. Um, so I'm going to talk about a really heavy and convicting book I've been reading. So how about that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? So, um, no, sincerely, I've been reading a book that I think everybody should read. I don't know if I have mentioned on the show before, I'm going to mention very, very quickly in passing, though it is not, uh, the book that I'm, that I'm going to be talking about is, uh, Jesus and John Wayne. Have I mentioned, have I talked at all about Jesus and John Wayne? Um, by Kristen Kobe mm, Dumas on the show. I don't think so. Okay, well, I'm, but I can't I, remember. I do want to shout out just a huge recommendation for that. Uh, Jesus and John Wayne is a fantastic book. I read that shortly before the book that I am going to directly recommend, which is a book called "The Making of Biblical Womanhood." by Beth Allison Barr, How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth. So, you know, really light come on, reading. Come really on, light preacher. Reading. But, um, come on. Come on, preacher. Um, this is an incredible book. 
It's an incredible book that I highly recommend. Uh, Say that, the subtitle that, again. How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. So, <laughs> Say it again. No. So, um, <laughs> so what, I, what I want to point out, so the, I mean, you know, everything's right there in the title. Um, but I do want to point out one quote from late in the book uh, where she references actually uh, the usual suspects. She calls out the, um, you know, the, 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 the com- yeah, the complication around, you know, Kevin Spacey's personal oh, dalliances and everything. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but uh, the usual suspects is something that, um, because she pivots off of that saying in the usual suspects, there's a line where it says the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is making the world mm-hmm. believe he didn't exist. And she's, and this is the quote she said, she said, respectfully, I disagree. She said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing Christians that oppression is godly, that God mm-hmm. ordained some people simply because of their sex or their skin color or both as belonging under the power of other people. And I found this book helpful. I found it insightful. I found it scholarly. She is a historian. She cites several times that she is a scholar, sort of first and foremost. She even calls out, she's like, I'm not a theologian. I'm a historian. But she also deeply believes in, uh, she is a Christian from the Southern Baptist tradition. And uh, she calls out the ways in which the history of certain occurrences within uh, recent evangelical history, and specifically digging back way, way, way far back into the roots of patriarchy, have established the idea that God somehow uh, positioned, for, uh, for those who don't know, it's a, it's a theologic, well, it's not really theological, it's a, it's a concept called complementarianism the idea that mm-hmm. um, that 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 men are supposed to be the head over women she unpacks this with scholarship and with grace and with passion this book is amazing if you have already heard of this book and have been thinking about it raise it up your list of actually like you know checking it out and reading it if you have not considered it before, then I would strongly urge you to check it out. I would strongly urge you to give the book its due and to let Beth's very, very hard-fought scholarship and uh, and some personal experiences that she had, uh, just give her her day in court, if you will, if you are resistant to that idea because her book is uh, profoundly well-written, and I loved it. You may have made this real... Uh, obvious and I can't recall it, but your reference to Jesus and John Wayne is, is this book Mm. footnoted in that? Like, is that how you found this one? Or you were just saying these are interesting in conversation with each other. How did you find this one? It was somewhat uh, to be completely transparent. I think it was one of those, Oh, uh, like the library app that I Mm -hmm. read Jesus and John Wayne through said, you read that book. You might like this one. And I was like, uh, Oh, the title automatically like it was okay. like you're a heretic here's more 
Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I get that. You know what's really great? No, I'll, t- I'll tease this one thing just because you mentioned that. One of the one of the biggest things that she really lays in on, because I know, I know you're being jokey when you talk about, you know, oh, you know, believing that women uh, are equal in the sight of God to men uh, is a heresy. Well, one of the things she talks about is she says the idea of complementarianism has actually been propped up by people actually preaching from pulpits that Christ was uh, submissive to the Father, that he was uh, under sort of the authority oh, wow. of the Father, that he was... Uh, and she yeah, said, man, you got to justify this stuff somehow. Yeah, well, sorry, and, and, she, and she even says, she said, that is an actual heresy. And she gives the, the, oh, wow. the citation yeah, for yeah. it. She said, that is an actual heresy, but that's the only way they could justify sure. so many of these sort of concepts. She does her homework, and... I, I just I I want to be sensitive. I know that we're being brisk, but I want to be sensitive to the fact that a lot of these these roots go back very, very far. Some of our listeners are our age, and this version of understanding those scriptures is all they've ever known and all they've ever heard. Let me please urge you to go into the book with an open mind. You can even go into it with a critical mind, but be be open to what she has to say. I think you will find the scholarship compelling. I think you will find um, her unpacking and looking at the scriptures in the way that she's telling you to look at them. She doesn't have to leap through a bunch of hoops uh, to to sort of justify or make things work. Sure. It's very yeah. plain. It is very obvious. Like I said, she has done her homework, and I am thankful for her work. I want as many people as possible to read this book because I loved it uh, very, very much. So, yes, that is The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. I loved it. And I want everybody to read it. What you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? All right. Thank you, Island family, as always. Um, you mind if I just dive in? Into the pool. Under the Into the pool. Floor. Yeah. Well, you opened it up on me because I stole your girl. I'm just kidding. That's a narrative that doesn't really play out very well. Um, So I was for months, I was going to pick a different film. If you recall. And with the Fogga Wieners, you did. You named it. I did. I named this different film. So there's probably some very disappointed Fogga Wieners out there. Um, But I cited. They'd be all right. Yeah, they'll be fine. We have a very forgiving listenership. Um, I, I, we did until you referenced that book. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now they're all kidding, out I'm on kidding, us. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. So the, um, there was a, uh, there's a film written by, directed by, and starring Robert Duvall called The Apostle that uh, for many months in preparation for the series, I really wanted to cite as my What Saves Us, and that was on deck. Like, so on deck that, as you mentioned at our Fogaween party, when we shared with everybody what was up next, I mentioned that. I said, then we're going to be covering The Apostle. Um, But in these past couple of weeks, I won't unpack everything that we shared by text message as we were talking about it, but in these past couple of weeks, I really began to feel like, oh, man, I need to talk about It's a Wonderful Life. And a, a big part of it was specifically this overlay of what saves us. Um, Because as I thought about The Apostle, which is a film I love and would love for people to see, and I would love for us to talk about it sometime. Maybe there will be an intersection at some point. Whenever I asked myself honestly the question that we've asked of listeners of what mm-hmm. what's saving you now, it was It's a Wonderful Life, man. And, 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 and 
I don't know where all we're going to go in this conversation, um, but I have cited for many, many years now that my very favorite film is The Exorcist and that my second favorite film is It's a Wonderful Life. And I jokingly say to people that if you can figure out what the two have in common, you've come a long way in understanding what goes on inside my brain. Um, But as I was pondering this specific question, this film means a lot to me, which is not to say... You know, I, I hope that I can enter into the conversation without being too precious about it, honestly, because I think it's worth sort of digging into some of its more prickly elements and maybe more complicated elements. Um, but the the film has meant a lot to me for a number of years, but it was as I became a husband and a father that it meant even more to me. And uh, I could not honestly answer the question of what's saving me now with any other film in this season, in this time, than Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. So before I go too much further into like, you know, my history with it and everything, um, I, I, I cannot remember, so correct me if I'm wrong as I pitch to you, I think that you had not seen the film, now, you've seen it prior to this conversation, but uh, that you'd not seen the film until, am I right in saying that I was at least an impetus for you seeing the film? Is that accurate or am I remembering that wrong? What's your history with It's a Wonderful you just, Life? You just... You just love being so special to me. I don't you? mind. Well, I thought I was. You know Maybe I'm not. You know what's not, lovely? You know? Is what? you are so special to me, Riri. Aww. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. It was your, uh, much like a hint of lime Tostitos, uh, <laughs> your... <laughs> Reed, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> That was the wrong moment to take a drink of my Mountain Dew. Or the oh so right moment. Oh my lord. My man. My man. <laughs> you I almost lost you there. I almost is. lost you there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that sometimes like how oh, has Reed influenced me? Hit a lime Tostitos. It's all good. You know, what a, what a, what a contribution it is to. So I do love those things. What's your friendship with Nathan and Reed? What's your, what's your friendship with Reed mean to you? You bust out a bag of hint of lime Damn, you tried this stuff? <laughs> with salsa, without salsa? With queso, without queso? It don't, it don't matter. matter. It don't matter. It don't Always matter. with queso. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Anyway, all right. Wow, that's great. But no, yes. <laughs> In the bucket, at least. <laughs> with It's a Wonderful Life is Hint of Lime How has Reed influenced your life? Halloween, Michael Myers. It's Michael yeah. Myers, Tostitos, and George Bailey. <laughs> You've just summed me up as a person so effectively. That is Reed. That is Reed right there. You just said it. Halloween, Woo! Hint of Lime Tostitos, yeah. and It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, God. Yeah. That's great. All right, so yeah, that's great. <clears throat> yes, I don't. Uh, uh, previous to this conversation, I've seen this at least two other times. So this would have been the third, okay. possibly three or four. So probably, mm-hmm. probably began during the life of Fear of God, as just. Uh, well, here's another one for you: is Christmas Carol. So, so each mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. Of, of at least the last two years. Um, 2019, 2020, but possibly extending further back. Um, each Christmas, at least with the family, we try to have on. Now, whether we all watch it all together at the same time remains to be seen, but sure. Muppet Christmas Carol and, um, oh man, um, 
the the other Christmas Carol, the one you're trying to conjure the George C. Scott. Yes, George C. Scott. That's that's the name I was Mm -hmm. looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, So we watched those two, and then I just kind of by myself will try to find time and space to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Mm, Um, So so this was probably at least the third, possibly the fourth. Um, And yeah, it's 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 an interesting item because i don't it sounds what i'm about to say is gonna sound weird it's not even like i would put it on this is top 10 movie for me or sure i absolutely love it's a wonderful life i kind of love what it's a a wonderful life is after and i love Mm. it's for me at least and maybe you'll echo this it's kind of recentering power yeah Um, yeah Mm. so i do i do kind of love what it does you know as a as a movie it's fun and, and there's elements that i really love about it but but you know that that's it's more of i'm gonna watch this because of what it provides for me um, yeah no, I and yeah that. yeah i do have i do have you to thank for that <laughs> this was um a film for me that when i was younger it was just sort of always on uh you know the it, it's largely known now that it fell into the public domain in about 1975 1976 so because uh, networks the film could, did the film did yeah and so oh, wow. because of that networks could air it without you know like they could license it sure. very very easily because it was in the public domain so they aired it ad nauseum around Christmas time every network just sort of you know uh, broadcasting this over and over again so it became very much like a, a, a Christmas holiday staple because of that now. I forget exactly when they did, but I believe NBC has now actually purchased the rights. I don't think it's technically uh, any longer in the public domain. Um, so we don't see it just incessantly broadcast around Christmas time as much as they did like when I was growing up. Um, but it's a film that I cannot, I want to say maybe 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago, I remember a specific viewing of the film. Uh, and it was it was probably about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, really struck a different nerve with me. Um, something about it, and the film has gone through like waves of cultural sort of opinion. It was largely a failure when it was released, and that's why it fell into the public domain is because nobody really cared about it for decades. And then uh, in the 70s, when it began to air all the time around Christmas, uh, affection sort of grew for it. But then it kind of got Frank Capra has been known in many of his films for like some cheesy sort of overlays, <laughs> something they even call Capricorn because of how corny some of the things are. Whoa. Um, I know, right? Uh, so then, like, it began to be seen. It went through this wave kind of maybe in the 90s, late 90s maybe, as just like, uh, it's, it's cheesy and it's just, it's overrated and it's cheesy and it's kind of just, it's kind of just whatever. But then I want to say, and, and somewhere I was either on this wave or just ahead of this wave, somewhere along the way, cultural opinion shifted yet again, where they were like, actually, this film is dealing with some pretty heavy things and it's dealing with some pretty dark things uh in some bolder ways than some of its peers in the 1940s were willing to deal with um and so there's this constant reassessment but what i find interesting about it uh and then i'll get to why i love it so much is what i find interesting about it is the ways in which it can almost be a kind of a litmus test uh not necessarily for you know holistically like 
what a person is interested in or how they see the world or something like that. But I do think it's possible to walk away from this movie and going like, that's just sentimental bunk. Like it's, you know, as Potter says in the film, sentimental hogwash. Or you're really, if you're on the wavelength of it, you're really going to connect possibly in a profound way to, as you put it, what the film is after, even if some of the interior specifics don't quite, you know, fire on all cylinders. It's worth noting before I get into, you know, before we start dealing with specifics and everything, um, I did a few years ago put together, and this is the only film I've ever done this for, I put together a feature-length commentary for it. Um, where you could actually, uh, uh, Steve Beckley graciously asked me for it, and I think he's actually listened to it, which uh, I, I, I want to both thank him and apologize to him. Um, but uh, I, I will say, if there's, it, I'm going to be sharing some different thoughts on in this conversation because I'm in dialogue with you. This is not going to just be another hour of monologue from Reed. But if you are possibly interested in two hours of monologue from Reed, just email me. I'll send you the commentary. Um, so uh, just you know, let me know if that's something that that you want to hear. But this is a film that the further I think about it, the deeper I get into it, it fires on something that's really, really important to me as a person. Um, and one of the many things is just the ways in which it presents the value of every individual life, like the impact and the power of each individual life, that life itself is precious and that you yourself are precious and that you matter and that you're important. I think that's something that can far too easily be lost in the milieu of everything that we uh, deal with in these days. Um, so I'm not jumping to theme too far ahead just yet, but um, but that's one of many reasons why this film has become even more important to me. Should we, before we go into that so right, give a brief summary of what the film's about? Just in case there are two people out there who have never heard of it? Um, sure. I, yes. Did, I'm a little did, nervous about how you're going to do the, the commentary version or the, oh, the, no, no, no. <laughs> the sketchbook version. I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. Um, George Bailey, uh, played by Jimmy Stewart, is a man who uh, has gone through his life facing disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. He had big dreams, big hopes, big plans. He is stuck in a town called Bedford Falls, running his father's business, the Bailey Building and Loan, and every attempt he made to try to get out of running it and to live a life full of adventure and exploration and ambition keeps being thwarted uh, either by things that he chooses or by things that were thrust upon him. He does marry uh, a, a woman named Mary, played by Donna Reed. They have a family together, but... Towards the end of the film, there is a mistake that is made uh, by his lovable but uh, unfortunately quite incompetent Uncle Billy, uh, who helps manage his business with him, and a mistake that thrusts him in the path of basically like a warrant sworn out for his arrest because of potential financial malfeasance. Um, there's also a character named Mr. Potter who's been trying desperately for years to put a tighter grip on the town, and the only thing standing in Potter's way from really gripping the town holistically is the Bailey Building and Loan, which George runs, and uh, that from there, what happens at the very end of the film is George contemplates, because of every, all the pressure he's up against and because of this final cataclysmic turn, George contemplates committing suicide because he is told very directly that he's worth more dead than alive. His life insurance policy um, is is worth enough that would take care of his family, and so he considers ending his life. And in response to that, uh, the heavens send an angel, a bumbling, uh, lovable old angel named Clarence, 
and Clarence shows George what his life would have been like if he had never been born. And uh, that's as much plot summary as you need before we get into details of it. So I think uh, that, that, maybe edging on commentary, but but try to be try to be concise about it. Um, but I'm curious to hear more of your thoughts on it. So do you want to go to that's all right? Let's do it. That's so right. It's just so right. It's just so right. That's just so Thank you, Andrew. Um, I know this is my submission, but I just I, I, I talk so much about this film. I'm really am curious to to. Uh, I want you to go first on uh, that's so right because honestly, I don't know where I would stop. Hmm. I've tried to take your off pod guidance and be more specific with my that's so rights because ah. I do agree with you. There's there's a number of uh, thematic scaffolding that's so rights that are worth pointing to but you know what as a as a that ain't right inside of a that so right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what what doofus's name or nickname their kid zuzu that's really <laughs> not acceptable and utterly weird i mean yes. like that's not cool at all sure we worked sure. we worked very hard on our kids names I, i'm really insulted when people don't try um <laughs> and that that one just feels like you found it in guys um so this is <laughs> Perhaps I like I like to think that my choice for that's so right is a nod towards what I do think the movie is very good at. Um, but my that's so right, Riri, are you you if mm-hmm. you're taking notes? Okay, is that is one super hot phone call? <laughs> I mean, that's so gum. like like. Like steamy there. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's the end of the year, you know, let's finish what saves us strong here. Like that okay. is, that is serious work. There, mm. there are sparks a flying. Oh my gosh. And yes. there are modern, there are modern films and modern expressions of romance on film. However, tawdry or not that don't get close to that scene. That like, scene is, is, it does sizzle. This is, this is yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean. <Yeehaw. laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, that's man. all right. That scene that's is great. hot. And, yeah, uh, it's great. Oh, it's great. Maybe, maybe an unexpected that's all right for me. Maybe, maybe right, right where you'd expect. No, I, I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, one of the things I'll mention, I'll mention the lighter one because it's really easy to talk about things that are so right um, and and bleed right into thematics. And I do think our thematic conversation is probably going to reference a lot of individual scenes. But I just want to point out the clerk's uh, sort of reactions. The 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 I don't even know what you would call him. The guy at the bridge when uh, Clarence and George are drying off and the clerk's reaction to Clarence's constant references that he's an angel and the clerk yeah. will like reach over to try to spit and then just like, what? Oh, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's just like, oh, yeah, I passed away in it. And the clerk's like, what? <laughs> and then he's all like, he's all like, oh, yeah, suicide's illegal where I where I come from, too. Oh, where's that? Heaven. And he's like, what? 
what? <laughs> and then when he finally says angel second class and the guy just like falls back, it's very slapstick in a it's, movie that is not is. very slapstick, but I, I do enjoy it. And I love the fact it's a subtle touch, but I love the fact that whenever that is happening and the clerk is making those reactions, there's the little intonation of twinkle, twinkle, little star, because that's how we first met Clarence was in the stars. And I just, I just love that little, that little touch. Mm. I just think that's, uh, that's really, really nice. So that's my lighter. Uh, that's all right. Let's do one more each. <laughs> there's nothing else for me. Oh, <laughs> just, you're just like, man, that phone, phone call on repeat, man. I'm just like, <laughs> goodness gracious. <laughs> I, I, watch it. I watch it every year. <laughs> I make time for that phone yeah. call. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now you're now you're changing my story. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, I, I'm kidding. I do think it's pretty hot though. Um, you you go ahead and do one because I, okay. I wasn't anticipating so, a second one. So you do a second. So, so, oh, sorry about that. Um, That's okay. What I will what I will cite because again, there's so many of the 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 moments that could bleed into theme, but a moment that I will cite that uh, may not necessarily play into the broader theme of the film. Um, I have heard some detractors against this film talk about like what Potter builds houses too. Like, you know, what's what's the big deal if Potter takes over the town? Because look, Potter, you know, builds all these houses you, as well. You, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have heard that. I have heard one that of the detraction. going one of the going criticisms of the movie is let the wicked domineering, you know, kind of financial overlord have his yes have his cake and eat it too. Yes. Wow. You know what? I'll call it out because they're a much bigger podcast and I couldn't beat them up if I tried. Um, NPR's wonderful podcast, Pop Culture Happy Hour, featured one of their hosts stating that exact thing, that Pottersville rules. Like, absolutely. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it would be unfair of me to try to sure. denigrate yeah. their reasons for them. Just go listen to that episode that was pretty recently released. Um, but yes. So casting that aside. Weird. I know. All right. But casting that aside, I love the moment when they transport the martinis from the house that they had in mm. Pottersfield and they transport them over to the house in Bailey Park. And when they're there, Mary and George, such a personal touch, but such a beautiful and I think profound touch. She gives them a loaf of bread that this mm-hmm. house may never know hunger, mm. um, a, a container of salt that life may never lose its flavor. And then George gives them a bottle of wine that joy and prosperity may reign here forever. I thought that was beautiful. I thought it was lovely. They've just, they've built them a home and they're giving them the home that Martini says is before they travel over there. He said, I own my own home. I own this mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's beautiful. It's, it's really, really quite lovely. Um, and, and for me, so, so right. So that's my second one that I would mention. I think anything else I would say would probably branch us into, into some version of theme. Um, you know, scanning all of this without just sort of opening doors to much bigger things. Um, I love and, and find profundity in pretty much one, one of the opening lines, uh, where Clarence asks, is he sick? And the response is no worse. He's discouraged. Mm. That is really powerful mm. and lovely. Um, and Absolutely. So, so right. Absolutely. Take us out, Andrew. That's just so right. I do want to note before we... We will find ways, because we are creative, thoughtful individuals. Uh, that may be 
the 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 sort of culminating finale of Andrew Nelson's wonderful ditty of that's so right, but I guarantee you it's not the last time something like that will show up on the show. Yes, we may be pivoting back into fear at the top of the year, uh, which focuses more on his earlier ditty of that ain't right, but that's so right is a lovely tune, and I'm sure we will find ways to incorporate it in the future. But thank you again for it, Andrew, in case that's Thanks the last time ditties. we hear it for a while. Yep. <laughs> that's oh, yes. Um so <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, um, man! It's so it's hard to know where to begin. There's a lot going on in this film. Um, yeah, I have two major things. What that do you want to do? It's it's hard to know, like because I think there are three or four different very immense subjects that if you wanted to try to you know explore any of the themes that are going on in these films, any any of the three or four of them would be worth sort of spending some time with. Um, I think I do want to say one thing that um, I I found out in my earlier trivial bit digging, which, uh, you know, I'm not sharing a lot of trivial bits right now. If you want trivial bits, again, my commentary is full of them, but the um, Frank Capra did at least in the crafting of the film, have an intent to sort of combat a rising, spirit these are his words a rising spirit of atheism that he saw like he wanted very much to sort of express uh heavenly and divine intervention uh in the world around us that was something that at least as records state um was something that he that he had intention and to that end i do find it interesting the film opens with a sequence of prayers um it's not uncommon to see a film in which people are praying for themselves or praying for uh, their you know, most significant immediate person. But I do think it's a little bit more rare to see a sequence in any film, let alone the opening like, hey, we're getting into this, is a sequence of people praying on behalf of somebody else. Some of them admittedly his family, his children, uh, and his mother but then others who just know him, his friends. And I, I, I think that's rare, and I think that's lovely that the film opens with that, that it's just a sequence of... Because it's not something we talk about very much, I think, anymore, but it's something that I know you and I experience a lot some, in some of our friend circles where somebody will ask for prayer. And the sensibility you receive just knowing, like, people are praying for me to this end... Uh, it's a very powerful and a very affecting thing. Um, I, I obviously have deep convictions about the power of prayer in the world around us, but even like, however you may feel about it, I, I, I did hear one criticism that basically, you know, I think wrongfully cites that, oh, well, the only reason God listens to this prayer is because, um, you know, so many people are doing it that like, oh, because you have to like assault God with a with a, a volume of prayers. And I think, it's really can, can I, are, yeah, are you saying yeah. that's that's also I'm sorry. You say yes. these things and I'm like that's a dumb thing. Not that you're dumb, <laughs> yes. but as in no, like yes. are you saying that's another criticism of the movie? Yes, that, it is. This film actually has a lot of detractors. You'd be surprised. <laughs> like really for a lot of different reasons. Yes. Um but Now, I think yeah. it's unfortunate there's like a single not white person in it and she's a maid, but you know. Uh, right, that's indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My criticism, yeah. but I don't let it like 
it's a product of its time. And so here hey, we are. No. Like, but I'm not going to be like, well, you know, there's too many people praying <laughs> for George. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> um, but it's also like that moment when not only those prayers, but then George's own prayer. You know, when he this was one of my this was one of my sort of entry points is just the efficacy of prayer, not as something that I think we need to, you know, spend a tremendous amount of, of time unpacking, but the film definitely advocates for the efficacy of prayer. And one of the things I do want to point out is George prays in a very sincere way and in a powerful performance moment by Jimmy Stewart. I think Jimmy Stewart's performance in this is incredible. And a lot of the things that get talked about in this film, I think his performance in it is something that often gets sort of brushed aside. Yeah, of course, Jimmy Stewart's great. No, he's doing some incredible, nuanced, complicated work as an actor in this in this part. Um, but that moment at the bar where he says, God, show me the way. I'm not very much a praying man. Um, please, if you're listening, like show me the way. But something he says shortly thereafter, because then he, he of course, encounters the husband of the teacher that he berated and gets punched for it. He says the answer to his prayer is the punch. And I do find it kind of profound, especially in times like these, when we pray, I think we have a tendency that whatever immediately follows our prayer, we consider to be the Mm -hmm. answer to it. And I think it's worth pausing for a second because Clarence even stated, he's like, no, 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 I was the answer to your prayer. But that came, you know, much later in the evening. Um, but I think we have a lot of proximity confusion with that, where we will pray about a thing, and then if the very next day things don't go the way we wanted it to, or if we pray about it and things get sort of eminently harder, I think we have a tendency to write off our prayers or to write off God's involvement in whatever is taking place and His presence in whatever is taking place, um, because it is the eminence of that that we assume is the answer, when in point of fact— it could be that there was a, a significant amount more going on um, that we just, and, and I'll get to this a little bit later, that we just need to open our eyes to a little bit more. I don't know if you have any direct responses to that, but that was the first of two or three things that I had on my mind for this film. Do you, what's the, what's the oh scene boy. from Ted Lasso when it's Beard and Ted in the pub and they're mm-hmm. quoting something, but it's like, they're quoting Hamilton? can I be real for a minute? Yeah. Is that what it, yeah. Yeah. They're quoting what's Hamilton. The, what's the back I, and forth? Oh gosh. Right. I wouldn't be able to cite it. Uh, but okay, I just okay. know that they're quoting you know Hamilton. Who I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, tell a friend how you feel for a so, minute. Something like that. Yeah. 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 That. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you'll either be like happy. Oh boy. About the next few minutes. You'll be like mad at me. Oh boy. Cause I'm going to get real for a second. Well, let's get real. Uh, I feel like you and I have known each other a long time. Okay, and I don't I don't know what else is on your list because we have not compared notes here. But uh, truth, uh, <laughs> this is one one version of response. Um, I feel like you can occasionally um, intellectualize a thing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. me, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> if I can be bold, occasionally over intellectualize a thing, and uh, would agree. And what I think is and and i'm gonna go i'm gonna be i'm gonna fall in the pool with you so i'm not oh here we are i'm not i'm not opening the floor on you i'm gonna fall in with you so you have a friend here we'll just dance the charleston together because okay because buffalo lucky come on (laughs) um 
because I think for me, there's uh there's a there's a there's a, a bigger umbrella that I'll at least point to here and maybe we'll come get back to it at some point. But but the bigger umbrella for me is this powerful examination of the aggregation of choices made and not made in a life and, and, yeah, and the expectations course. that we import to the lives we lead. But right. But that's that's a bigger puzzle piece that maybe we'll return to. Maybe maybe not. But friend to friend, end of the year. Mm-hmm. A little bit of hindsight, a little bit of foresight. Gregory Boyle has taught us that wondering how people are is what saves us. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious how you're doing, man. Are <laughs> you, what George are you, you know, are you yeah. mad at everybody, George, mad at everything, George, and there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you skipping through the street shouting Merry Christmas, George? And like I said, I'm going to jump in the pool with you because I, I feel a lot like mad at everything, George. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and damn, I want to be that friggin' skip to the loo, George. Yeah. And 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 this movie, when I said it recenters me, when 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 we get there, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Merry, mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, every damn thing in this room. Like, Merry Christmas, all the things, mm-hmm. but those are hard places to stay in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that makes, and then that makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, of course. And, and so I, I am, I am attempting to, uh, 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 perhaps crash us to earth for a moment, mm-hmm. however long we stay mm-hmm. there and. And, 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 and open the door myself by saying there's, there's a lot of, cause it's, it's, I think what's really impressive about this text, like, cause there are moments you could say, man, Stuart's really like going nuts here. But it, I think a lot about Nora Durst mm, when he's having right, a scene, right? right? Yes. And, and mm-hmm. her moment that defines the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, what what are the things in our own sort of psyche and view that that stir us up to that level of angst? Yeah, at the things that are beautiful and lovely in our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, I, I hope that's an okay question to pose it's, to the air. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really glad you asked it. Because um, you're right, I can get stuck so much in my head because. To be completely transparent, I cried through two-thirds of this movie when I watched it, Mm -hmm. and it is easy for me to keep it intellectual because there are things in my heart that if I go to it are a bit scary Mm -hmm. for me to talk about. Um, An honest question deserves an honest answer. If I was to be really real about the last month and a half of my life, the George that I am is the one that comes home tired and weary at the end of every day going, how long is this fight going to go on? I don't know that I'm angry. I'm just so damn tired. And, Mm -hmm. and if I'm being really real, um, the 
prayer would apply to me when they say, is he sick? No worse. He's discouraged. I'm really discouraged Mm -hmm. right now, man. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's so much that I talk to my wife about and that sometime to time you and I talk about off of shows like this where I do, I just get really, really discouraged. Um, feeling ground up by the weight of a battle I don't think will ever stop and a battle that I don't think I will ever win. Hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry. I told you it's your damn question, but I told you that like, (laughs) (laughs) I know. I told you. I I knew it. I I apologize ahead of time. Yeah, I know. No, but I ain't mad at you. I mean, because like, honestly, like it is, it's hard sometimes thinking like you're stuck in something that you don't know you're ever going to see the other side of. And, um, it does get hard sometimes where your thoughts go and where your mind goes, the fatalism, the despair. Um, Mm -hmm. well, and if I, if I can interject a little bit, the, you know, I, I texted you, I watched this over two sittings this time and one, I'm actually really impressed with the structure of this film um, for a movie who's, which is known canonically as the look at the life you, that would happen without you movie. Right. That doesn't right, happen, right, right. but in the last 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so I really love that it takes its time to get to that, but, but something about this viewing just really sank its teeth in and, and, and not, and what's funny, I, I'm going to feel like an ass for saying this, like the, the trappings you were pointing to of, of the prayerful opening, like that's uh, valuable to me, but it's not really what does the trick. It's, mm-hmm. it is entering into this film's attempt to like, cause here's the thing, man. One, I think it's absurd. The age they call out George as occasionally I'm like, okay, what you're, you're supposed to be like 30. Come on, bro. Yeah. You're, not, yeah. you're not 30. Um, but like you and I, and perhaps some of our listeners, like the, the, the intersecting points of what this movie is after couldn't be more defined by the life right. we're living these days, you know, right. in terms of right. the shape of it. Yeah. And so, perhaps even more than and and perhaps it was psychological i knew we'd be talking about it i'm i'm keying in a little more deeply on those elements but but almost from go um i'm i, I thought a lot about hunter's offering about his once upon a time in hollywood story and, and yeah, just yeah these these things that culturally we get told and I know I just went bigger than I want to, but culturally we get told make a life significant, right? Mm-hmm. That along the path, we either didn't see pass us, ignored, mm-hmm. neglected, mm-hmm. rejected, and how the aggregate effect of choices not made yeah, start to apply pressure to you in ways you're not thrilled about because what's so what's so heartbreaking about that scene god when he says what he says about his own friggin' kids I'm like whoa 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 yeah bro. yeah you know yeah, yeah and uh he said the i don't know it just he said the silent thing out loud like yes yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah and 
Uh, sorry, I rudely interrupted. No, no, it's okay. mainly mainly all I'm saying is I think I am it it the 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 wavelength it kind of operates on hit me in a new way this time. Not because oh I lament the life I have, but because you in those dark moments when you ponder X Y or Z path that isn't the path you're on and and part of you is mournful uh part of mm. you is happy uh a, a mix of all of it and 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 i've thought a lot about the fact that a beautiful life a hidden life or, or life is beautiful a hidden life it's a wonderful life these that for people who have responded and the conversations we're having are about reconciling ourselves to the life we have which which i don't mean to say oh oh poor us for the life we have but as in the gift it is yeah Mm -hmm. and how easy it is to neglect that anyway now i'm intellectualizing it but it's important some sense it does and it's important that you said reconciling ourselves to the life we have and not resigning ourselves to the life we have Mm -hmm. which are different Mm -hmm. things and i think in many ways, like something, again, me at the risk of intellectualizing, I'm, I'm going to sit in the heart for a second and we'll see. We'll see. I, so you know me so well. And my, one of my defense mechanisms is intellectual analysis. And mm. when, when things, when things are feeling too big, me wrapping my brain around the mechanics of it. Mm hmm. Is, is, is part of how I cope and part of how I distance. Um, but I think about when he, like what he so desperately wants, I think he wants to matter. He wants to be important. He wants to make a difference. But he doesn't believe that what he does and 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 what he has been pushed into doing matters or makes a difference or is important. Mm-hmm. So he keeps seeing uh, – no, now I'm intellectualizing. This film opens with something really subtle, and this stuck out to me. I have seen this film dozens of times. This stuck out to me the the very, very first time in this viewing. It's comical almost, and it's a, it's, it, 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 it's a narrative transition moment. But the, the stars, the angels, call forth Clarence, and the first two-thirds of this movie are – Let's show you the life of George Bailey, okay? Mm-hmm. And one of the conceits, one of the jokes is that Clarence doesn't have his wings yet. So what does the, the, the head angel, the one telling the story, what does he have to do for Clarence in the very, very first opening? He said, look over there, and then what does Clarence see? Clarence sees a very, very fuzzy, blurry image. And it's almost a joke. It's it's a silly, trivial little thing. But what does the the head angel say to him? Do you remember this? It's so no. it's so trivial. I don't I don't blame if anybody missed it. But he said, "Oh, that's right. You don't have your wings again. Let me help you." And the very first thing that he does for Clarence is he takes something that's blurry and foggy and fuzzy and he brings it into clarity. And he says, "Let me help you." And he shifts his perspective to where he can see it because he's not able to see. And you can probably intuit where I'm going because that is what. Clarence ultimately has to do for George. Sure. Yeah. Because let it not be lost that 
Clarence sees there's a moment in the in you know when when things are about to go dark. The angels are conversing with each other, and they say, "We'll show him what happened today." And what what I find interesting about it is they say, "Let me show you what happens today," and then they show him the moment in the bank. They show him the moment in the bank. We, the audience, and therefore Clarence, when Billy s- misplaces the money, what? see right. that Billy has misplaced the money, and they see where he's misplaced the money. God, that's such a painful scene. Oh my it, God. it it really is, and. Let's think about this for a second. When Clarence comes down to help George, I saw Saturday Night Live did a skit about this, and and they took it in a kind of a funny way. I think uh, Dana Carvey played Jimmy Stewart, and and they all find out that Potter stole the money, so then they go beat up old man Potter. It's Saturday Night Live, so it's supposed to be silly. Um, but I found it so profound that when Clarence goes in there, he doesn't say like, oh, I know where your $8,000 is. Even though he does know where the $8,000 is. He doesn't tell George, I know where your $8,000 is. Uh, Billy misplaced it and Potter stole it. And he doesn't do that because that's not what George needs. And I think right. one of the things that I struggle mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. is I think so much about like, oh, if, my, if this was just different, yes. if the circumstance was yes. just different, if this was, if I could just solve that problem, if that, if that was just different than, than all of the rest, if I could just find that $8,000, if I'm George Bailey, if I could just find sure. that $8,000, everything would be better. But that's not what he needs. That's not what he needs. What he needs is a new perspective. Yes. He needs his eyes to be opened and to see the value of his life in a new way. That's what he needs. And that is the gift that he has been given. Mm. And yes, it's heightened. Yes. (laughs) They take the luminous, beautiful Donna Reed and they just completely school marm her up, (laughs) you know, like, yes, they do some silly things with it. It was a hot phone call. <laughs> it was hot but God, how many of us, and I'll love myself, how desperately I need somebody to just like, okay, I'm using the language of the film. Oh, that's right. You don't have your wings let, yet. Let me help you. Let me bring some things into clarity. Let me right. bring a little yes. bit of, let me, let me, let me just bring a little bit of things into focus for you. With what's going on right now, how desperately well, we I, need I, that right now. I want to check your use of. Um, uh, you said yes, it's heightened. I think one of the powerful things about this film is its down to earthness. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's Nate wanting the platform, not having cultivated his hidden life yet? Right, it's, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know that this film is showing you. That's a Ted Lasso reference uh, that I just made, but um, this film is showing a very, uh, uh, in this case, normal American life, and its its routines and rhythms, and how we can fall prey to thinking those routines and rhythms are all there is. Mm-hmm. When even, I mean, dead gum. When even if it is all there is. That's still a wonderful life. Still that's still beautiful. Easy, that's yeah. easy for me to say right now. I get that. But I guess I just think the power of of him skipping through town at the end isn't that he's saying, Merry Christmas to the found $8,000. Merry Christmas to the life of adventure I now get to embark on. He's just naming all the things that were in his view the whole time. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's something. 
And That's he's right. saying it. Yes, yes. I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off. No. But he's saying it. I'm used to it. It is. <laughs> Go eat a hint of lime tostitas. You'll feel better about it. It's too late. He, he, he's saying those things. Remember that at that moment, he does not know what's waiting for him. He, he, everything is not better. Right. He does not know at that moment that the town's going to come through for him. He even, sh- when he shakes the bank examiner's hand, and then he talks to the to the, whoever that guy is, the you know a sheriff, a federal mm-hmm. agent. I don't know. Bert you know the, oh. No, no, no. But when he's Did talking to the guy that? who has, a, yes, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when there's a uh, there's a guy there with a warrant for his arrest, and he's like, "Merry Christmas, I'm going to jail." You know, like it doesn't matter what happens to him at this po- at that point. It doesn't matter what's next. Yes. yes, it doesn't matter whatever is is ahead. He cherishes what he has. And he cherishes what he's been given, and that was that. That was that shift. The scales have fallen off of his eyes. You know that was that was the gift that he had been given was just clarity, a, 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 rec- a clarity, a recognition that this is what was already in my life. This is what was already here. You know, my my mouth's bleeding, George. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you know, even the 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 pain and and the frustration. And the disappointment and the discouragement, it all just it all just washed away. It all is just made right. And and I feel like what's really powerful to me about the town coming through from for him like that is the ways in which it's just a shared community. It's a it, it's a shared understanding. I feel like one of the things that discourages me so much when I feel the most discouraged is when I feel the most alone. Yes. When I feel the most, nobody's quite going to get this. You know, that's, that's what, that's the voice that Mm. takes around Mm -hmm. inside my head. Nobody, nobody's quite going to get this. I am just that awkward, weird people don't see it the way that I see it. People don't want it the way that I want it. I feel out of time. I feel out of place. I feel, uh, you know, a lack of belonging that, that when I feel the most alone is when I feel the most discouraged. And I feel like that, that moment at the end, good Lord, when everybody just starts pouring in the money, like, Uncle Billy is the one who says it to him. Like, nobody asked any questions. We just said, George needs help. And they just went around town, started collecting money. Um, and, uh, and the deposits that he had made into people's life. And, and, and here's, the, here's the incredible thing about it um, is had done a lot of it carrying the weight of disappointment. Right. Like, like yes. he had done all of that because I feel like he has a strong moral center, but he had done all of that for other people, all while being disappointed. It's a heartbreaking right. moment when, um, you know, he is starting to walk away. He says, no, 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 I'm going to college. This is my last chance. And right. then they tell him, no, 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 they'll go with Potter if you don't. And the look on his face. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, he, he did all of this under the weight of profound disappointment. And I think a lot of people have really bought the lie that if you are not doing something vital and important, we talked about it you know, at length, I won't rehash the whole conversation, but at length uh, with Andrew on A Hidden Life, talking about like, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter the footprint. 
it doesn't matter the 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 footprint that we want to validate ourselves with or the footprint that we want to try to to try to see because i do think it's possible that a bunch of people might watch this film and be like well the community would never come through for me like that you know like and 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 i don't know that they would but i don't know that they have to i think the point is not like oh okay like if you live a life of burdensome goodness for 40 plus years, then eventually you will see fruition in the community all rallying around you. I don't think that's even really the point. I think it's, it's, it's the point to see like, Hey, you matter in ways that can't possibly be quantified. You matter in ways that can't possibly be, be uh, defined. Like just if you were removed from the equation, there would be so much loss. There would be so much pain and everything would be different. And to see ourselves, I and I mean, the film literally does this, to see ourselves the way heaven sees us, to see yeah. ourselves the way God sees us, to see ourselves as this fearful and wonderful creation that exists on purpose. And um, I, I find that to be incredibly profound. And it is very, very hard sometimes. It is very, very hard when you look. I The thing that frustrates me so much is my growing sense that there are places I'm not referring to anything specific, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying. Hopefully the listeners will as well. It's like you reach that point to where you feel, Oh man, I feel really safe with this friendship or I feel really safe with this, uh, you know, the, this relationship or this, uh, you know, this bond, whatever it is, I feel really safe in this. And then you just see a crack in it. Like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I didn't expect them to say that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know they, they felt that way. And it's like you suddenly begin to like isolate yourself because you feel like, oh, God, like, well, I have, to, I have to be on now anytime that I'm with, that I'm in dialogue with that person, or I have to be on now anytime I'm in that arena. Um, and then the more times and the more places that you feel like you have to be in air quotes on, then the more isolated you feel, the more alone you feel, the more you feel like you are an island um, and that and that can be very very discouraging because an island can't change anything, and um, it just it gets very very overwhelming the sense of isolation and the sense of loneliness and um, and that can get very hard and it's all rooted in feeling like you're not understood and then you're, well I'm speaking from my own experience feeling like I'm not understood like I'm not seen um, and like I'm not known and and that gets very 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 difficult but if we are able to find a way i don't even know how to find the way to it but like i would pray for myself and for everybody else that we would that the scales would fall from our eyes and that 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 we would have a little bit more clarity um on on what's already ahead of us and and how precious and wonderful life is well i think it's important to note and saying it perhaps even for myself that even being able to find the end of film George and yourself doesn't require you to ignore the dents that the disappointments had. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're still, mm-hmm. they're still there. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there is a world where it's a superhuman c- capability that we have to practice with intentionality. But I think a major takeaway of the film is gratitude for, yeah. for, yeah. for w- all the things the achievements and the setbacks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which isn't me saying 
you just say, oh, I'm happy this thing happened. I, I don't think that has to be the case. But grieving a loss, forgiving oneself, mm-hmm. occupying one's space with clarity and dignity and integrity, like all of those things are, I, I really hate how much we've, how good a job we've done at convincing ourselves that status matters, mm-hmm. significance matters, quote unquote, importance matters over, you know, the, the, this got invoked on apes last week, but the cup of cold water, and I'm actually not trying to pivot into pithy, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's George and Mary giving bread to new homeowners who they mm-hmm. had a hand in assisting with like, I don't know. I, th- I think yeah. there's, I think it's easier than I wish it was to be George in the den in the living room. Rayleigh. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder than I wish it was to be naming all of the routine things and declaring them worth existing because they're part of your perspective and view. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can't do it by ourselves either. Like, yeah, like, sure. like yep. I, I, let me help you. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I don't know how else it happens. I don't think we, I don't think we can, you know, climb out of it on our own, you know, like, um, somebody else I, has to jump in first. <laughs> I recently, Clarence does. yeah, I jumped in to save you, you know, and he's like, jumped in to save me, you know, and, and it's just, it's just hard right now. Like, it's just hard for so many people. God, I was thinking of, I was thinking so much about just like the tornadoes that devastated the Midwest mm-hmm. and, and the pandemic. I, Nathan, I know too many people who will be going through, already went through their first Thanksgiving and will be going through their first Christmas without a, a vital member of their household sharing sure. space with them. And I think it's just, it's just so hard right now. And I think it is really easy for us. God, I know it's really easy for me to just feel like, what am I, what, what am I doing? What good is any of it? You know, like what good, it, it, I will say it, it's really easy to get fatalistic and nihilistic. What is that? What does any of it matter? Like, what does any of it make any difference? You know? And that's why, that's why I relate so much to not only George's freak out, because like, when you're feeling in that place, it's almost like anger and discouragement and disappointment. They all wash together. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all in the same liquid, and you can't separate out what was the one element and what was the other anymore. It's like everything gets so angering. Everything, everything gets so disappointed. I don't want to be disappointed in people anymore. I don't want to be disappointed in myself anymore. I don't want to to feel that way anymore. And, you know, I feel like this film, I think one of the reasons why it, I'll use the word ministers, I think one of the reasons why it ministers to me so much is because we talked about, I'm, I'm going to keep referencing it. One of the observations we made that has not been able, that has not left me, it's an observation we made in Once Upon a Time, in Hollywood is 
the once upon a time in Hollywood conversation is not making me emotional, but what, what I'm about to do is like one of the things we observed on once upon a time in the Hollywood, when we talked about um, revisionist history, and this is a different way that it could have gone is um, we observed that it's a place you can put your spirit. Like I'm going to set my spirit in that story, you know, and, and maybe I told you when I wanted to pivot away from apostle and when I wanted to do this one instead, I love the apostle. God, I love the apostle. But I think maybe something instinctive me was just like, I need to put my spirit in this story for a few minutes. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I just need to put my spirit in the place where heaven sees and heaven knows and and it's observed for a moment that uh, life wouldn't be the same you know, and that, and that we matter and that, and that we're seen and that we're known. Um, and I think I just, I think I just needed to put my spirit there for, for a little bit, you know, for a little bit. Um, and I don't think it even totally matters (laughs) if the film connects with everybody else the same way, you know, um, I think it is a gift and, 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 and I am grateful for it that there is a story a statement out there that says, you know, no man is a failure if you have friends. Mm-hmm. Like that 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 you are not a failure if you have you know what have we talked about so much when conversations around like polarization and 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 and, and everything that comes up, it's we've witnessed this weird severing of relationship. Not between you and I, but like like right. in, 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 in the world around us. We witness so much like severing of relationships. And um and we've and we've shifted to wanting to be right and wanting to be correct and wanting to be accurate, other than reconciliation, you know? And right. yes. And so many of the times where we just we just give up on each other and and have no idea that the more we give up on each other, we give up on ourselves just a little bit. Mm, mm-hmm. That the more we give up on each other, we give up on ourselves just that little bit till pretty soon we have given up on so many people that we've given up on most of ourselves. And that is heartbreaking. It is utterly heartbreaking. And I want to put my spirit in a story like this where somebody who every single time we saw him walk down those streets did so slovenly and did so with his head bowed and his shoulders slumped, looking around at the place like it was his prison looking around at the place like it was his cage and then towards the end goes jaunting through the streets. Merry Christmas, you whole building and loan, you know, mm-hmm. in that, in that Jimmy Stewart swagger, you know, Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. Merry, mm-hmm. he says it to him. Like he could have as much spit in the eye of every way in which that man had burdened him and stolen from him and made his life miserable. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. And it's just like, God, please, if there's anything, I know that as listeners hear this, Christmas is past, but God, like. But Christmas is also future. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And present, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey. Spirits did it all in I one was, night. I wasn't going to be that on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I want to put my spirit there. I want to put my spirit in the place where heaven knows and heaven sees and where what we what we have before us is not a burden and is not a challenge and is not a fight anymore. It is a gift. It is a treasure. Well, and if I can toss in there, the, yeah. the, the phrasing just added weight even further or didn't. 
the burden is light. The burden exists, but it is light. Mm. Like the burden is not gone. Yeah. The problem lives, but it is light. And yeah. and I think it takes it takes work and it takes help. Um but we can we may not be able to live. I think it would be a little much and people might get annoyed at us to live as late film George, uh at least as a constant. But I do think perhaps it's a little more reachable than even I give it credit for sometime. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and, and it feels like, you know, I don't even know, man, because there's a there's a way in which like the, the, the conversation is as as raw and honest as we've been about it. Like there's a way in which it can feel like so dour or so down. And I really do want to emphasize as we, you know, kind of steer the plane towards landing for the year. I really do want to emphasize like you have no idea, not you, Nathan, you listener, me listener, when I hear this back, you have no idea how many people are praying for you. You have no idea how much you mean to people, um, have no idea how much heaven itself has its eye on you. And, and it's like, these are the things that we don't know. And because we don't know it and because we can't see it, I think that's, that's probably one of the, the, the gravest errors we could make is thinking that our own perspective is the exclusive perspective and, and thinking that the way we see it is, is the only way it can possibly be. And as we enter into the new year, as we enter into new conversations, new contemplations, I really want my spirit to sit in that place um, where we have a hope that help will be there when we need it. And we have a hope that however painful the walk ahead of us is that we don't walk it alone. Mm. Um, and, uh, and it means a lot to me in this moment, in this season, in this, in this time to be able to sit with that, uh, for, for a breath just really, uh, just really means a lot to me and I'm grateful for it. It's funny. I, I, I think as I was pondering my experience this time watching the movie, not as in, let me figure out what I want to say, but just like, why is this so, resonant and you know there, there's a lot of ways in which for me maybe not for everybody but this film is a call to meditation and contemplation like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's funny I, I didn't go look this up but I'm, I'm so i'm recalling it a bit from memory but one of my favorite sentiments that richard Rohr conveys and some of the material of his i've consumed is that contemplation is a willingness to wrestle with reality as it is Mm -hmm. I think about that, you know, in, in, in a scenario like this. And I love your imagery that you recalled for us here of the, a place to put our spirits. And I think, I think meditation, contemplation, those function in that way. Like I, I need to sit in and marinate slash meditate on a thing that, helps me uh whether it's a person whether it's a community like the foggers mm -hmm. whether it's a mm -hmm. piece of media that is saving me uh that helps me write my vision for how to live in the world as it is yeah yeah right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because because the problem can become and i think the 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 perilous the perilous potential is leaving our spirit in a place 
and then distorting the reality around us to, to mm-hmm. melt a place that isn't real. And, yeah. and so yeah. it's this really fine line perhaps, but I don't know. And, and, and at ri- that, that feels like it risks things I'm not trying to say, but point mm-hmm. being contemplation being wrestling with reality as it is and being able to say Merry Christmas to it. Yeah. Be- because it exists. Yeah. And, and, and that it is wonderful simply because it exists. Yeah. It is, it is precious. Yeah, exactly. Oh Woo. man. Happy yeah. New Year. Happy New Year. Man, oh man. Um, so as we round the, the curve one last time uh, in this, in this season, uh, I really do want to say just a, a profound thank you in this end of year. You know, last year, we uh, had a big party, and we. I know. I kinda, invi- I'm, I'm very grateful for us right now, but yes, <laughs> no, exactly. It was a lot of fun, um, and uh, and I'm we'll I'm thankful. Parties. What was that? I said we'll have some more parties. We will. We will. We'll have plenty more. Um, but I really, I really am thankful. Uh, I'm really am grateful for you for your friendship. I'm thankful for the friendship that we have in, you know, some of these foggers, many of whom like I've never even been in the same room with them, but I do feel like I'm, I'm grateful to call them friends. Um, and it is something that's this, this is really weird, man. It's really weird to just sort of sit in this place and just be really thankful, um, uh, for despite all of the hardship of the previous year and, you know, 2022 will bring its own challenges. It will bring its own difficulties. Um, who knows uh, what it will bring, but it's, uh, I'm really, really grateful uh, just for what has come and for what is here. And therefore, am grateful for what is to come. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you want to, I'll, 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 I'll do the honors yeah, for the fog meter. Yeah, the fog meter is our very specific metric. Uh, very soon returning fear of god uh but uh this time around one one final time around the bend maybe not final final but at least for now uh of fun and god as we venture towards the close of what saves us um so on the fun meter for it's a wonderful life um again i just yeah sure it's got some humor it's got some delight deeply inspirational and, uh, and, and, and I love it and I've watched it, uh, more times than, than I've counted. So for me, it's a 10. Hmm. It's my selection. So I kind of had to give it a 10. I mean, I didn't have to, but it was easy mm-hmm. to give it a 10. <laughs> I don't know the ditty that you are. What? For the guy who just said I've watched this movie more times than I care to count, well, you surely maybe missed it's your, the tune I was literally just making was from it, the was movie. It, was it Old Lang Syne, or was it Hark the Herald Angels Sing? I or can't what? tell if you're. Oh, being it was dumb Buffalo right Gals. Can you come oh out my tonight? God. Wow, <laughs> it's, it's just like man. Mm, I, I thought it was laid here. <laughs> no, I know. I was just like, I don't know that that came through the way that it did. Oh yeah, no, oh, it blame did. the internet. Blame the internet. Um, audience is going to hear it and be like, read. <laughs> read. You what okay? is wrong with you? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, too many toasties. Um, I love the romance of it. Um, it makes my four heart flutter. Um, I I love the exultance by the end. Um, I, I yeah. I, I'm going to go with a nine, uh, not because of any real specific thing. Other, no, it's fine. Screw it. It's a. It's a 
it's it's i mean <laughs> it's it's saving me now it's saving us now uh let's go for a, a 10 all right all right what would you say for the god meter uh i think what it's after is an in, is intentional uh and and what it's after is 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 pretty soundly achieved um i can't believe this is about to happen so yeah sure a 10 on it's wow. a wonderful life uh two for me i'm just kidding <laughs> no obviously uh it's a 10 for me as well so we give uh once again you know the math is easy on this it's a solid 10 all the way around to it's a wonderful life um yeah it's it's a film that be- seems to become more important to me as the years go by and is super important to me this year and i'm, I'm grateful to have been able to to talk about it a little bit would you recommend it, a- though? oh e- yes uh, yes. yeah, for sure. likewise. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I guess the only, like, if you're just like, I don't like black and white movies, uh, okay, <laughs> wh- whatever. I mean, like, I'm just trying to think of who would have a good angle on That's this. Not our crowd. Or yeah. if you're like, Pottersville, I kind of dig that. Like, get, that get, out of, get out of here. I was done. Get yeah. out of here. Um, perhaps my own little coda here, uh, uh, and reappropriating some of the language of the film. Not only what I say is no one a failure who has friends, no one too is a failure who has foggers. And uh, we are very mm. grateful for the the journey of the fog community and, and just the active presence y'all are and the gratitude. Like it's Reed and I chatting right now, but but it's it's a chorus of you guys who are part of it as well. And so there's Amen. That, that's never lost on us. And so very, very grateful, very appreciative, thankful for you guys indulging this wild series we've been on this year. Um, <laughs> it is funny, Reed. I don't remember what the movie was, but you and I watched not together, but there was something. Maybe it was Midnight Mass. I don't remember, mm. but there was something we were watching in the last few months. But in the thick of what saves us, and it was like, ooh, I could have missed this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this, that's right. That's right. This gore no, and the yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but I don't either. I don't either. But I remember us having to, that... uh, some horror stuff. That's right. Yeah, next year and uh, and and really, you know, for the foreseeable future, uh, I'm sure that this will not be the last time we've entered into a small excursion on the what saves us. Maybe for a little mini series here or there, but next year, uh, specific content TBD except for Midnight Mass. We are absolutely whatever the uh, you know we're we're going to take a little break as we're prone to do in January, with the exception of a couple of coming your way uh, interviews with some very special people. We are going to be coming back with regular episodes in February. Um, and one of those is going to be a series where we are going to unpack Midnight Mass, the next the Netflix uh, original series directed by Mac Flanagan. So we're going to be going back to the work of Flanagan, which we've already covered on Haunting of Hill House and an entire dang series. Um, so yes, until such time, listeners, we hope uh, your new year is really, really special. We hope you have a very happy new year. Uh, as we always say, we are grateful for you. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We will see you next year. Nathan, Ooh. thank you so Great. much uh, for this slate of conversations. Thank you so much for doing this with me, my friend. Uh, I love you dearly, and I really, really appreciate all of it. Mm-hmm. Very, very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
See now, I know it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing I was doing. Yeah, I'm sure it was. We're going to blame person. Zoom. We're going to blame Zoom for dropping like, every, other, every other every other note. Come out Come out tonight. Come out I was trying to stop the recording right in the middle of it, and you've got controls of Zoom, so. Oh, boo, boo. That's All right. Funny. We'll see you next year, everybody. Bye. Bye bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>